Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. I got to tell you, this has to be the greatest four-minute offense ever because Izzy just ran the entire length of the building to get us started. So let's go. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. Sun's a winner. They beat Detroit 116-100. to Booker was ejected, however, in the first six minutes of the game. Coach Frank Vogel, what happened? Oh, no. Stop. Whatever his complaint was, and he didn't stop, so they teed him up. And then he said something else to the other first one, and he ran him out. Just freaking ridiculous. Kellen Olson, a reporter for ArizonaSports.com, was the pool reporter on the day, and the referee said it wasn't for any one thing the booker said. It was continual complaining. Wow. Thank goodness my wife hasn't ejected me for the same thing. Katie had 25 points. Suns went 30 of 35 from the free throw line in getting the win. Now, before the game, Drew Eubanks claims that he was sucker punched by Pistons forward Isaiah Stewart. The Suns issued a statement saying the punch was unprovoked. Monty Williams, the former head coach, said in his press conference that the Suns' statement was irresponsible. The police might be disagreeing because they didn't issue a statement. They issued an arrest warrant. They arrested Stewart, cited him, and released, charged him with assault. Yeesh. Other than Booker and KD, the rest of the organization, now off until next week, all-star break. They come back Wednesday, fly to Texas. They start the next half of the season on a back-to-back at Dallas on Thursday and then at Houston next Friday. Coyotes lose to Minnesota 3-1. Now seven-game losing streak. But the Coyotes actually played well in this loss. Right, Coach Turney? I would love love to maybe generate, like I said, a little bit more of broken play, a little bit more of scrappy goal, and a little bit like our goal been called back. I think that was uh, the kind of goal we had to score tonight to win that game, unfortunately, never come. They said goaltender interference or the Coyotes would have had an extra goal in the second period, could have changed the whole game. Face off against Carolina Friday night at home. Carolina's second in the Metro. Face off will be at 7 o'clock tomorrow. Beat Oregon State, look good doing it. 79-61, they've actually won two in a row. Jemiah Neal, fantastic. 21 points off the bench. Devils shot 57% from the field. Now the rivalry. Devils go on the road Saturday night to Tucson, face the Wildcats at 7.30. The only negative really was uh, a little bit loose with the basketball. It's kind of uncharacteristic of our team. We just, we're usually a very low turnover team. We had too many uh, tonight, but outside of that, very happy with our performance. Absolutely. The turnovers, but everything else looked really good. Now, have they built up enough to beat U of A? We'll see. Best team in college basketball is UConn at 23-2. Next is a tie with Purdue and GCU at 22-2. Lopes take on Utah Tech tonight at home. Tip-off, 7 o'clock. Heartbreaking news. 
Chiefs Parade. One dead. Lisa Lopez Galvin is dead. She's a KKFI DJ named Lisa G. 22 wounded. 12 of the wounded sent to Children's Mercy Hospital. They are all expected to make a full recovery. That's good. And finally, a man in Fort Worth, Texas was running from police and he led them to his chop shop. Listen, if you're running from police, don't take them to your chop shop. Now, only in Fort Worth is this what you find in a chop shop. 15 stolen cars, trucks, and SUVs. Two trailers full of stolen tools and construction equipment. Oh, and one more thing. Explain this. And a mechanical bull. (laughs) What? What? Do you you have so much money that you're making cutting up stolen cars for parts that you can just ride around on the bull? Unplugged Army? Attention! All right, admittedly, that might be a little bit over the top, but I'm jacked up for our next sanctioned event at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're going to be there on February 23rd. It's a Friday. Noon is the official time for our first set of tee times. We've got the whole course from noon until 1.30. You got to go to unplugged at whirlwind.com click on the events tab. Normally playing golf in February at Whirlwind is $260, but thanks to Sweet Lou, we get the course for $109 plus tax. It is a tremendous savings and it's only available to those of us in the Unplugged Army. If you're not able to make it, I'm going to be eating kind of a late breakfast there around 1030, so I'd love for you to stop by Civilic represent or maybe get a beer with me right after the event is over i'd love to see you friday february 23rd at whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass feel the wind i'm janelle general manager of bell's nashville kitchen aka the whiskey wizard bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food we are a scratch kitchen with chef inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of arizona our nashville hot chicken sandwich now the drinks I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. You know, sometimes they say this is a negative. Oh, it's one of those days. Oh, no. Today is the exact opposite. I I don't know what it is. Today is the day to be jacked up to be alive, accomplish things that you didn't think you could accomplish, overcome all the adversity. Let's go. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and I have just dropped my pen and caught it in midair. And you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merc. <laughs> this is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. This is not fake enthusiasm. I am just totally, totally jacked up. Uh, what a what a crazy day yesterday. What a crazy day today is going to be. What an amazing day tomorrow is going to be. I have, I have so much to tell you, and we have so much to do. But number one, 
it it was it was I can't explain the magic. I absolutely cannot explain the magic. If you were born and raised here, the only I would say thing I have over you, okay? And listen, Ohio is a wonderful place to grow up, but it is kind of pointless, okay? I don't know what it is about Ohio, why we are the best in the world at amusement parks. We have two amusement parks in Ohio. Like, there's a couple small ones, but two major ones. One is called Kings Island. One is called Cedar Point. They rival any amusement park in the, in the world, and it's both in the same state. I can't explain it. I don't know why, but they're fantastic, okay? That we have a bragging point no one can come close to. Yeah, and you might say, well, Doug, Florida's got Disney and Universal and this and California. Okay, listen, come to Kings Island, come to Cedar Point, and then after you go to those places, let's, just, let's talk. Let's, it's incredible, okay? That's the only thing I'll ever bring. Yeah, the Air Force Museum is kind of cool in, in Dayton. But we've got all of that in Ohio, and that's it, okay? But the one thing that we have that you're not going to understand that you don't necessarily have as an Arizonan is the magical words, pitchers and catchers report. And here's why. I think Arizonans take that for granted. Oh, good, the economy's going to get better. Pitchers and catchers report people are coming for spring training it's like the cheesy groundhog day pitchers and catchers reporting is actually when it's okay to live vicariously through somebody else when you sit there in ohio and you think there will be a spring (laughs) at some point we're close to the sun coming out again it is a magical moment and then it's crazy when you look at the the news feeds of your local news for me it was showing pictures of the reds in plant city florida or, uh, gosh, where did they train before that? B- before that, when I was even younger, I can't remember the name of the city. But you see this and you're thinking, what foreign country has a sun like this right now? I mean, it's crazy. You get so jacked up for that moment in time and that moment in life. So I went out yesterday to Diamondbacks' first workout of pitchers and catchers reporting. And man, did I have a geek attack. Seeing so many fans out there with World Series gear, seeing the clubhouse and the, and the entire spring training facility decked out with World Series type of stuff and celebration. It's just, yeah, yeah, we did that. So I was jacked up about that yesterday. I received, uh, I can't talk about them yet because I'm the type of person until things are finalized, I'm not talking about it. But I received two phone calls and an email yesterday that I never in the world expected. And I, it, it's so funny. My wife, she has become beautifully religious. When we, when we first met, I was far and away more religious than her. And now she has more than lapped me and I need to catch up. And she's just a beautiful person. And these amazing things that all happened yesterday, she's, she's kind of like, see, see? Why, why do you try to do everything yourself? Pray more. And like, what am I going to do? I'm going to say, no, I did do this. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> but, yet, but yet I'm the male that's trying to defend my family and do all this. And I was so jacked up yesterday. And she's like this sense of peace. See, it's because I've been praying for you. And they're like, well, you can't argue that, you know? So I had that uh, on the mind yesterday. So I have all of these things that's got me going and jacked up. And then... I did something, oh my gosh, I am so upset at myself, I can't, I can't believe this. 
in in my religion in the catholic religion we do not eat meat on ash wednesday which is the beginning of lent which is a 40-day period before easter and we don't eat meat on fridays of lent now no we do not believe we're going to hell for eating the meat it's kind of a symbolism to say you know what i'm going to be knowledgeable the fact that good friday is coming since i believe jesus is the savior of the world i'm going to think about that in an obscure wednesday in february and i'm going to sacrifice by not eating meat now i'm really good most wednesdays most fridays there's always one friday during lent that i splurge and we go out to a nice seafood restaurant which is actually exactly anti what you're supposed to be doing it's like the point of abstaining from meat on friday and think about the Lord is not going to then spend a hundred bucks on dinner, $150 on dinner. So you have nice seafood. That's not, no, it's supposed to be eat the grilled cheese and like it, have some bad shrimp and like it, have an egg sandwich and like it, you know, that, like that's supposed to be the point. And like, there's always one Friday. Boom. Here we go. Well, I just told you I went to spring training, right? So think about this. I want to be a good Catholic. I want people to look at me and know, Hey, even if you don't agree with the religion, that's a man that's convicted. Wow, he's not eating meat. I have so many stories of Catholics who tried to give me a meat sandwich uh, on a Friday, and I say, no, I can't have it. And then they're embarrassed. Bob, you know, I'm strong. I did it. This year, for my Lenten penance, to be able to stand up, defend Christ, and not eat meat on Ash Wednesday and all every Friday in Lent, I made it 11 hours. (laughs) I left here thinking it's Ash Wednesday, don't eat meat. I was driving to spring training, thinking, what's Jennifer and I going to do for dinner? Is it a wonderful egg sandwich? Is it a small salad with no bacon bits and no ham? Is it going to be a nice grilled cheese and a bowl of meatless soup? What, what am I doing? I'm not going to eat meat for dinner. I'm not going to eat meat for dinner. I'm not going to... Oh, look, White Castle! Tori Lavello was speaking to the media at noon. I get there so early, it's 11 o'clock, and I, and I forget, being a Midwesterner, there's a White Castle next to the stadium. This is awesome. And I pull into White Castle. I had three sliders and onion chips. I made it 11 hours. That's <laughs> some sacrificial person. I mean, true and utter failure. So, no, if you're making the Catholic joke, I don't need to go to confession for White Castle. My stomach would like me to do that. I'm too, I did realize this morning I'm too old for White Castle. I'm officially too old for White Castle. As I was planning on getting to work, Izzy probably doesn't know this, I was planning to get on, to get to work at five, uh, probably about 4.30 this morning, and I officially arrived at 5.06. And I blame White Castle this morning. Uh, Jennifer, when you wake up, sorry for, you know, well, the state of, well, yeah, just sorry. I probably wasn't pleasant trying to get back to sleep when I woke up. Uh, so there you go. There, there was, uh, there's uh, all the craziness of my day. And then today is just as crazy. I'm jacked up for it, though. Two enormous appointments coming up today as well. It's just, this is awesome. And, uh, and a lot of it's Rattlers related. So, uh, 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 I'm excited to talk more Rattlers coming up. Had a great Rattlers conversation yesterday as well. Uh, last thing. Oh, by the way, uh, Izzy, I don't know if you you saw this. Did you see the uh, Governor Doug Ducey yesterday? 
Did you get a chance to see him? Uh, no, I didn't get a chance to see him, no. So we have, a, we have a bunch of different channels here at WTSM, and one of them is the business channel. And I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about this. Maybe I'm not supposed to talk about it, but no one said don't talk about it. But Governor Ducey came in for a conversation on the business channel, and the guy is not tall at all, but I, I didn't know he had any weight to lose, but my gosh, getting out of politics, he, he, he walked by. I don't know if I freaked him out, but he walked by my office and I said, Governor, you look great. And, and it had to be the weirdest thing because he, as he walked by the office, he didn't look at me. And then he comes back and he looks at me and he goes, whoa, what, what, what are you doing here? And I said, I, I do a podcast and a TV show right here. He goes, wow, how are you? And then we started talking, chit-chatting. I know him because um, he would come in, if you, I think you know this, but as the old show is a sports station, and then seriously, the next window over is, was, our, was the news station. So he would come in once every two months, three months, and talk on the news station, but he loved the old show. So he would always want to come over and talk to Wolf and me during a commercial. So we got to know him reasonably well. And then he would come on the show once a year because he just probably wanted to talk to sports fans. So I've gotten to know him pretty well as just a human being. I'm not talking politics with you right now. But it was great to see him. And he he looked fantastic. It was crazy that when you see somebody and you don't think they have weight to lose, and then they've lost a bunch of weight and they look great, you're like, wow. And then you feel bad because I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Like, we live in a society now. Is it bad to say, Governor, I didn't know that you had an extra pounds, but you, you look better now. <laughs> I just reacted. Man, you look great. So it's kind of entertaining. So if I get arrested today, Izzy, you know, uh, that was probably me complimenting. And granted, it's the former governor, so I guess he, can't, he doesn't have any power now. So I think I'm safe. But that was, a, that was a crazy reaction to seeing the governor yesterday. It was great to talk to him. Great to talk to him. Um. Izzy, before I get to sound credits, I have to ask, what in the world were you doing before four-minute offense? I didn't know you still had wheels. I mean, you were flying down the hallway. I I honestly didn't know I had wheels still, to be honest. That was was a surprise (laughs) to me, too. In Jordan's, no less. But uh, pretty much, long story short, everything was set up, but I didn't have the four-minute offense pretty much the game plan oh okay. so it would have just been a mess so i had to run and print it out and it was it, it was i was cutting it close <laughs> wow you were fit you were great i mean nobody knew that the four minute offense could have been a disaster and it ended up outstanding how about that that forward story <laughs> you, I, somebody explain that you okay listen i don't know what it's like to run from the police i i have to admit that so i don't know if i would choke or panic while running from police but if i'm running from police and i'm running an illegal chop shop out of my house i'm not running to my house I would, I would think I got to go somewhere else. So the guy goes to his house. They get an arrest warrant. They go in. He's got a garage in the back that's a chop shop. And then 15 cars or 15 vehicles, cars, trucks, SUVs, whatever, trailers full of construction equipment and a mechanical bull. <laughs> I can't get over why, why do you have a mechanical bull? That's hilarious. Oh, by the way, this is just between us, Izzy. Some guy just walked by the window and looked at me like I was a zoo animal. Oh, yeah, that's, that's Father Weir. That's a- oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that was kind of entertaining. He just looks in there like, they got TV going on in there. <laughs> and I, you know, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of like, wait, what, what, what is, is he in here uh, illegally or is everything all right? But I didn't, think, I didn't think a vacuum was a weapon. So I was like, all right, you know, go ahead and come on in. Um, all right, uh, what do we have today? Oh, I forgot to tell you about Whirlwind. Man, I wanted to go fast today at the beginning because we have so much stuff to get to. Uh, 
I got a a, uh, a text from Sweet Lou, and he meant this incredibly nice. So don't don't feel burdened or overwhelmed. He meant this nice. But he said, hey, just wanted to let you know we got plenty of open spots. They're not filling up as fast as they used to. Okay. I The first thing I want to tell you is Unplugged Army, I'm not disappointed in you. That's on me. Okay. I really wanted this to work out. And I really wanted to push for it. And I, I, Sweet Lou was so busy that I understand in your world, Doug, I am not taking a day off of work on a Friday or I'm not working a half day until I know what's going on. And we had unplugged at whirlwind.com up so late that I, I understand those worlds kind of collided a little bit. I totally get it. It's 100% on me. But now that it's live, could you do me a favor and kind of recheck it out? and see if it works into your schedule. Um, Because you know how important these events are. You know what it looks like. If we want to change the world and to be able to actually have unfiltered, as I call it, unplugged sports talk with me, Steve McCollum, with iOS, Izzy on sports, things like that, and grow WTSM TV so we're not beholden to the rights holders that suck up to the teams all the time. If we want that, then these are the areas where we get what we want. And therefore, I need you to do your best to try to be able to play golf on Friday or get out there to Civilic for breakfast, lunch, what have you, before the round starts. So we have tee times available, available from 12 to 1.30. What you do is you simply go to unpluggedwhirlwind.com and click on the events page, fill out your information, and then, well, and then once you do that, there's going to be a comment box. And in that box, if you have anybody in a group that you want to play with you, boom, put that out on there. Secondly, what you do is put the tea time that you would like. But just take a guess between 12 and 1.30. Right now, about 12 to 12.30 is filled up, but we don't have a lot between 12.30 and 1.30. So put in a time that you would like, and then Sweet Lou will get it organized and put it all together. And next time, I'm going to do a little better because I do these un, uh, uh, sanctioned events. I do them for us to get out, but I fight like crazy and say, hey, can we do this? Can we do this with the person? So that's why it's a $260 round of golf that slashed all the way to $109. That's the benefit you get by being in the Unplugged Army. But do me a favor, try to relook at your schedule and see is there any way that you can make it out and play golf with us coming up Friday, a week from tomorrow. February 23rd, unplugged at whirlwind.com. And I think that's it. All right. Sound credits today. We got a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. We have thanks to the Suns PR department for sending us a a bunch of sound. Uh, Same thing for the Coyotes PR department. And uh, Sun Devil Source sent us the Bobby Hurley. We also have a couple different people to thank for Tori Lovello. I believe there's Jody Jackson, there's PHNX Sports, there's uh, Sports 360, I think, with some of the ones that we might have some Tori Lovello and Zach Gallen from to talk about. And then, do you remember where you got some of the, uh, I know it was an Omaha TV station for the Kansas City Hero. Do you remember where you got Mahomes and Jones from, Izzy? Uh, I just linked that straight to NFL on Twitter. Okay, good. Okay, thank you. So that's where we got uh, that stuff. So those are the sound credits today, but we got a lot to get to, and we've only got uh, an hour and 35 minutes to do it. But I, I, that jacks me up, though. So y- you're going to get tons of content the rest of the way. All right, let's roll. Doug's big one. The number one thing I have on my mind today is, is everything Kansas City. 
of being a person that lived there for three years. I absolutely love that city. I think it is the most underrated city in America. And I I mean that wholeheartedly. When I say underrated, what I mean by that is I don't think anybody in our country, it's not like you ever say to yourself, let's go on a vacation to Kansas City. Okay, you don't think like that. Nobody says that. But Kansas City is so cool. It is a great town. The Negro League Museum on 18th and Vine. I realize I'm incredibly biased because I actually got to know Buck O'Neill and was able to call him a friend. Buck O'Neill is the first ever black scout in Major League Baseball. He's the first ever black coach in Major League Baseball. And he's just, he is proof there is a God. That's all I can say. He is the single nicest, kindest human being I have ever met. He, he is humanity. So that he is Kansas City to me, is Buck O'Neill, even though, gosh, we, we lost him around 2006, I think, maybe 2005, two, I think 2006, something like that. I might be wrong and it was 2007, but just, just a wonderful man, wonderful man. So there's that aspect, 18th and Vine. There is uh, how awesome the plaza is, which is not downtown, but it's an area of great shops and restaurants and streets. It's just a wonderful, wonderful area. There's Ward Street and State Line Road. Then there's the barbecue, which is so good. The restaurants are so incredible. There's so much that Kansas City has to offer. And then there's the way that town loves their Chiefs. There's the way that town loves sports. The paper at the time I was there had two national columnists at the same time. Guys that you probably have heard of, Joe Poznanski and Jason Whitlock. They had a beat reporter for K-State, for Mizzou, and for KU. And they had a national college sports writer. If you watch anything on, um, on ESPN, there's ESPN announcers that started in Kansas City on, uh, on the things that they, uh, that they did before they got national because they did such a good job in Kansas City. There's so, the, the, the way people love sports is crazy. I love that city. And then to see what happened yesterday is just so painful. It's, it's just tragedy personified. And of course, I would like to say all of our thoughts and prayers for the Unplugged Army go out to everybody that was involved uh, including an, and especially Lisa Lopez Galvin. But at the same time, we have to get to a point in our country where we figure this out. We've got to get to a point in our country where we realize both sides have some right in what they're saying and both sides have some wrong in what they're saying. We can't sit here and act like the system is working that we have right now, okay? It doesn't work. It's, it's not working. At the same time, going full-on fascist and eliminating an entire amendment to the Constitution is not the way to go either, okay? And we got two people, we got people on both extremes, and those of us that I feel like are a little more normal aren't talking enough. I'm guilty of that too, okay? But we, we got to figure out a way to do more because think about what we might have lost. What happens, listen, I don't think, I don't think the Suns are better than the Nuggets. I, I say that up front. But let's dream a little bit. And we did have the Diamondbacks in the World Series last year. Will there be any more parades? 
if there are any more parades, do you realize the level of annoyance and security that has to happen to have another parade? Yeah. I mean, which way do we go? It's horrible right now. I remember Benjamin, well, I don't remember, I wasn't there, but Benjamin Franklin once said that if you lower this, it's a loose quote, if you lower the standards of liberty in the name of security, you have neither. That's kind of where we have to go. A parade would be so frighteningly secure for like eight blocks away from the parade route you can hardly get in to breathe and then you're there and you're like trapped if you if we all walk through metal detectors everywhere just to get to a parade and we're all screened like it's the tsa just to get to a parade is that where is that the way we have to live yet at the same time the alternative is to say no we don't have to do that we just won't have parades we just won't celebrate victory we won't celebrate our team coming through can you imagine the Diamondbacks beating the Texas Rangers, that young team coming from nowhere, having a legendary playoff run, and then having the governor announce, man, that was wonderful. I'm a big D-backs fan. I hope they win next year. We're not having a parade. <laughs> and yet, guess where we're going? That's Doug's big one today. It's just, I want parades. What do we have to do to keep them going? And, and everything goes out to Kansas City. I want to play a couple things from the event yesterday. Uh, Izzy, could you start with Kansas City Hero? I, uh, this, one, this one's unbelievable for a couple reasons. The courage of one person, and then I would say, I don't want to call it the lack of courage because I don't know what I would have done. But watch this video and tell me what you think as you watch it. One guy was hollering, saying, you know, stop him, or catch him, you know, tackle him, whatever. And he's just, just bailing, running. And out of nowhere, I heard that guy hollering, so I'm just like, okay, well, I'm right here. And I just, I didn't even think about it. It was just a reaction. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. So I went to go tackle him, and another gentleman did the same thing. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve because he was wearing a long jacket or like a Carhartt. So when I seen that hit the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, we got to take this guy down. And so, like I said, I did and another good Samaritan did and we held him down. And it seemed like forever, but it probably wasn't. It was like 30 seconds holding him down and me and the other gentleman and hollering at ongoers, you know, where's the cops? We're, you know, get the cops over here. Get the cops over here. You know, we got them. Mm. Mm. That was a man by the name of Paul Contreras. He's from Omaha, Nebraska, and drove down for the parade and the celebration. The reason why that gets to me so much is when I watch that video, he tackles the guy. And then a lot of people back away. Most people back away and don't help. Then there is a kid. <laughs> and it's like, kid, what are you doing? Like, I realize I'm in my 50s, but this is the way kids think now. He immediately gets right up close and starts filming. 
Like, this is a guy with a weapon, kid. He's filming, and then you can see a parent reach up and grab the kid's coat and yank him backwards. And I just, I was shocked to see how long it took for somebody to help Paul to jump on this guy. And then I started thinking about myself. I can look right at the camera and tell you if my family is not there, I'm jumping in. I I would be, I'll get him. You know, I I would be one of those people. And if I die, I die. And everybody can call me whatever they want. And I'll, I'll, I'll wear the hero tag proudly. I would have jumped on the guy, but I know it's an if my family wasn't there. I don't know if this would, I'm not ripping anybody for not joining in to help because I, I hope I would have jumped in. I hope. But I think if my family's there, if I'm there with Jennifer, if I'm there with one of my daughters or all three of them, I think I'm immediately creating a human shield over them and I'm getting them out of there. And I would have, I probably would have ignored the gunman thinking my job is to protect my family and I wouldn't have taken the greater goods and no, my job is to secure everybody's family. I hope I would have jumped in on that. I hope I would have. But I don't want to sit here and claim to know what I would have done at first. And it scares me. It really does scare me to think how would I react. And I just wanted to say, I guess part of Doug's big one, thank goodness people like Paul Contreras exist. Thank goodness for that. That is just what a hero. And Chiefs, I don't have any business telling you how to run your company none but boy do i hope that paul Contreras gets chief season tickets for life you know I, I hope there is something that happens for him like we have never seen before for a guy that drives down from omaha to celebrate his team and this happens i i, I hope that he is rewarded to a level that's never been seen by a football team uh, in the past and that might be asking a lot to actually get to the celebration because i don't i don't want it to just be be remembered for that because it's it's being dwarfed like uh, i understand it do you really want to talk about a parade when you know how it ended probably not but i think this is strong i, th- I think this stuff is stuff that we've got to remember so we don't allow i don't know if these guys are terrorists but that's how i feel like and and therefore what are they doing how do they win they win when they stop the celebrating they win when we're afraid to be americans and that's when they win That's when they have terrorized our lives. So in defiance of people like these shooters, I want to force myself to be happy about it. And I'm I'm a Chiefs supporter. I'm not a Chiefs fan. There is a difference. But I want to celebrate what happened. So here is, let's go with Pat Mahomes first. And it is true. Because I think it was the general manager who got up there and said, so now we know what a down year looks like. Because the Chiefs struggled so much through the year. And every time somebody wins a championship, you always hear, nobody respected us, everybody doubted us, and not the people in this room, not this city. Well, okay. The city was on Sports Talk Radio all week ripping the Chiefs every time throughout the season about what's going on. And then when you win, everybody doubted us, but not us, not us. Okay. This is kind of one of those times. Everybody did doubt you, Pat Mahomes. I mean, you were the underdog in every single game, and you guys kind of stunk in the middle part of the season. So for the first time, I think, in championship history, it's okay to say everybody doubted us. Kansas City, let me hear you one time. 
a year to battle through the adversity, to continue to go, to go for that championship. They all doubted us. I don't want to hear any different. But you know who came through in the end. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what's hilarious about pep rallies and parties and parades? You can say anything and it's great. Because if we break down, break down, break down his speech, how boring was that? <laughs> I mean, what what kind of substance was that? Yeah, uh, San Diego's high school football rules. You know, I mean, there's just there's just nothing there. There is nothing there. But it's funny to me. I love parade speeches. They doubted us. There's no denying it. But who came through the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah like, okay, what did you really do? Um, this is actually a little bit of no- news, which is whether or not the Chiefs are going to be able to rush the passer next year. The Chiefs are saying how much they want Chris Jones back, but Jones hasn't said anything. Well, what's the future hold? I need three of those, baby. We ain't done yet. Everybody except one person went crazy. You know who the one person is that didn't go crazy and was probably upset about Jones saying that? His agent. (laughs) Listen, listen. This is not how we negotiate. We do not yell in front of all these people before the contract offer has been given. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. Because then when you go somewhere, you're Jedfish. (laughs) Jedfish, pass rusher, Green Bay Packers. I mean, that's what Chris, now you just announced to everybody. I ain't going anywhere. I ain't going anywhere. All right. Good job, Chiefs. Now, maybe the Chiefs will look bad if they try to lowball him now because then he can say, hey, I said my whole plan was to stay here. I never planned on going anywhere, but I didn't expect the Chiefs to lowball me. But, Chris, that I love you. I love you. Great. Glad you're happy. Let's tell everybody you're happy after you sign. I think of it like an like an agent. All right. Uh, let's. Hopefully, we were able to talk. Oh, one more thing about the the tragedy. But this is a beautiful part of the story. There were 12 people that were injured and sent to Children's Hospital, Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. 12. It was reported yesterday all 12 are expected to make a full physical recovery. They're actually very worried about the mental recovery because they said the children are scared to death. 11 of the 12 that went to the Children's Mercy Hospital were children. One adult was there. And you might go, well, why do they treat an adult at the Children's Hospital? Because the mom also had a child that was injured and she refused to leave her child's side. Yeah, you know me. I'm going to get emotional on that. So the hospital decided fine and gave her all the documents and they treated her for her injuries right at the bedside so her daughter could see mommy going through the treatment and that helped give courage to the daughter to be able to say, okay, mommy's going through it. I'm going through it. And the woman wouldn't leave her child. And yet she's wounded. She got shot. It's just, whoa. So all 12 right now expected to make a full recovery according to Children's Mercy Hospital. Oh, boy.
Boy, why? It's all you can do is shake your head and ask the question why. Let's, uh, let, let's get out of tragedies and let's have some fun. Coyotes looked better even though they lost. ASU much better, much better. Got some sons to talk about, but coming up next, I got to tell you how jacked up I was to be able to be around baseball again, the National League champions, and you'll never guess what Tori Lovello and I talked about. We were on completely the same page, and it shocked me when he made reference to the same thing I was making reference to. And it's not an inside scoop. Every member of the media that was there heard it. But gosh, is it an interesting thing. Tell me if you agree with what Tori Lovello is doing to prepare the players for 2024. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. This time of year is absolute murder on your heating and cooling system in your home. Call Parker and Son, 6022-REPAIR. Get a complete checkup. Here's why. You know what it's like this time of year in Phoenix. One day we've got 85 degrees, the next day we've got a high of 50. You're going from heater to air conditioner, sometimes in the same day. Get a checkup to make sure the routine maintenance is taken care of. Join the Parker family plan. Call 6022-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Thanks for being a part of the Unplugged Army. Doug Franz Unplugged. Isaiah Izzy Jackson is now the producer of Doug Franz Unplugged, and uh, and then he does that, and then he gets ready for his show, iOS, coming up at 1 o'clock today on WTSMTV.com. Jeff Weir Production. Helps out on this show, but then he's also focused on TME, the main event. And Dale Hellestre and Steve McCollum will be with you in a little over an hour. They're every weekday morning from 8 to 10 as you get five hours of local sports programming every weekday and no other TV station in Phoenix or the state of Arizona is doing that. And we're also the home of the Rattlers and the home of the Sugar Skulls. Pretty jacked up about that as I... Had a big meeting, uh, a big phone call yesterday with a guy named Brandon that's with the Rattlers and started talking about getting ready for the season. I talked to Kevin Guy yesterday. So uh, uh, just getting more and more jacked up. Dale and I doing play-by-play. Izzy will be uh, on the sideline. And uh, Izzy, advice on the sideline, if they're winning, have some fun with Kevin Guy. If they're losing, just say, Coach, what'd you see in the first half? <laughs> and just let him go. Uh, let him go. And then if he, he, will, he will fight like crazy to not say anything about the officials. It really is important to him to not talk about the officials. So if he doesn't talk about the officials, it might be good for you not to. But I, I would say something like, hey, what – what did you see on? Uh, I heard, I saw you talking to the officials. What did you see on that call? Like, just 
And then if he if he jumps on it, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I won't lie to you that that might be my number one thing. My number one go to to you is Kevin Guy advice because I don't I am um, I don't know how to handle it. <laughs> uh, he's 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 a. I mean, all football coaches are a different bird. They are a different bird, and uh, and and especially Kevin and I, we are such good friends and like brothers that at the same time we argue like brothers. Yeah, you know and. Man, there's been 20-hour bus rides where you're, we're just guys are trying to sleep in the back, and Kevin and I are arguing in the front uh, about something. It's crazy time in both of our lives. But I, since I know he's a good dude, I'm okay with it. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and but yeah, I just it's really simple. If they're winning, he's in a good mood, so then you can have a little fun with him. And if they're losing, just hey. What'd you see in the first half? <laughs> in and out. And, and in and out. And then there you go. And he'll give you, just like he had the energy the other day, he'll give it to you. So you don't have anything to uh, to worry about. Just let him uh, roll. But we can't wait. We, we, we can't wait. And then we, we might do something every Monday morning on Doug Franz Unplugged where it's make fun of Izzy. We'll have a new segment every Monday where we look at Kevin Guy going off on something. <laughs> Don't worry, that's really not gonna happen, is he? Hey, I'd be down for it. I'd be <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. I was so jacked up yesterday being with the Diamondbacks, other than the fact that I, I had eaten White Castle before I got there. Uh, but it was so cool. And this is where I gotta tell you, this job, it's not hard when it's like like there's long, long hours to be good at the job. And, and, I, and I hope I've reached that status. I don't know if I'm good at the job. But I mean, it is for me, I spend about 19 hours a day working on the pot. Eh, not that that's a little bit of an over-exaggeration. Uh, but if you include driving in this city and living in Goodyear, hey, my bad, I got to suck it up. Uh, it's, it's probably about 15 hours a day. So there's that aspect. But keep in mind, I have a beer in my hand and I'm sitting on a recliner or the couch a lot of those times. I did get on the bike yesterday though. Thank you. But you can see it's a little bit of a different process as far as work is concerned. But one of the benefits, but also one of the most difficult things, I hate to say it, is making good friends and then pissing them off. Like Kevin Guy, to be quite honest. Because there's been plenty of times where I have had to say something about a coach or a player that I consider a friend that you would never say about a friend, ever. And yet, what's my job? My job is to be critical of sports mistakes and praise sports successes. That's my job, whether somebody likes it or not. Where it gets flawed is when, to me, a talk show host represents they are better than somebody else that's in the field of play, that's in stuff like that. And I hope I do a good job of explaining that. Like, I can rip Kyle Shanahan for a terrible decision. Full well knowing if I'm the coach of the other team, Kyle Shanahan is beating me 107 to nothing and there's going to be a player mutiny before halftime, okay? Let's, let's just be clear here. I'm not out coaching that guy. That doesn't change the fact that that coach is responsible to put the players in the best position to win and make the decisions that lead to winning. And if you make the wrong decisions, then we know you were either ill-prepared or you choked or you didn't know what you were doing. One of those three. Now, that's different than I made the right decision and it didn't work because the other team has good players. And you've got to be able to signify which one happened. 
And obviously everything I say is opinion. Well, think about that. Tori Lovello has become a friend. I like Tori Lovello, the man, a lot. And it was kind of interesting yesterday because, listen, if I've got to rip him, I'll rip him. But yesterday was huge. There were so many members of the media. I think it even caught the Diamondbacks off guard because there's a small little corner area where Tori Lovello does pressers, does like media moments real quick. Hey, we just come in, first day of camp, this guy threw this, this guy had a little twinge, this guy's got a visa issue, and it's really quick. So you just go up there, you talk for a little bit, and it's over. There were seriously 50 members of the media crammed into a hallway. A little bit, let's say 35. Just everybody crammed in. And it was like, wow. And it was kind of funny. Like, this is life as a National League champion. So they're asking him a bunch of questions. Well, anyway, he comes walking in. I forgot this part. He comes walking in. And as he's walking in, he sees all of the media that's there. And he goes, wow. Hey, everybody. And he's kind of shocked to see that many people. And then he walks by me and he stops and he says, hey, how are you? And I stick out my hand and I say, I'm good. How are you? And he looks at my hand like I'm dirt and shakes his head, comes in, gives me a hug and says, how was the off season? And I said, sons, coyotes, ASU, come on. I don't work as hard as you, but I don't have an off season. And he goes, all right. Good point. Is everything going okay? And I know he was concerned about the podcast, the show, my life, because he was a hardcore listener to the old show. He listened all the time. He used to come in for Newsmakers Week and he would ask all kinds of questions about the show and about the people and about our interactions. He was so interested to get into the weeds of how is the old show. Boom. <laughs> How is he? Don't put that on replay, Izzy. How is the old show put together? All of a sudden, my mic went Isaiah Stewart on me. Uh, how, how is the old show put together? He was so interested in that. It's, he's a really good dude. And then he knows I got let go, and he still cares about it two and a half years later. There was also funny, because I'm looking at the other members of the media when he walked away from me, and they, they seriously, some of them look at that and say, man, that's really cool that Tori Lavella was like that. Really young members of the media were like, who is that guy? Because you think about it, if you're like from the Cronkite school, you went to ASU as a sophomore, you might be from out of state. You have no idea who Doug and Wolf are. And then, wow, who's that guy? Why is he treating that guy like that? And then there were some crotchety members of the media that I know were looking at me like, what does Doug do? Doug got fired. He's nothing. Why does Tori treat him like that? What, why doesn't he do that for me? You know, you could just see it. It was kind of entertaining. So then I'll get to some of the questions that he was asked in a minute. But the pressure's going on about 10, 12 minutes, something like that. And then I noticed he has never used the phrase defending national champions. Never used that phrase. Not, not just the national champions, nationally champions. He never said the defending nationally champions. Never used the word defending. And there's a little thing that I, you've heard me bring up, I think, before on, on Doug Franz Unplugged before. You've heard me mention before on Doug Franz Unplugged before. I'm on fire right now. Is this. Bill Belichick was one time asked about defending the Super Bowl, being the defending champions. And he said, well, we're not the defending champions. And everybody in the room was like, what do you, wait, wait, what? You won the Super Bowl last year, Bill. You know, you're the defending. No, wait. We're not the defending champions because we're not defending anything. No matter what anybody does, they can't take last year's championship. 
Every player, every coach, everyone in the organization earned last year's championship. And that doesn't do blank for us. Oh, the uh, my uh, 360, please, Izzy. The, the cussing. That doesn't do for me. Okay. Nobody wins this year because of last year. So we're not defending anything. And we haven't done anything to win anything yet. And it's a really interesting phrase. So I said, Tori, you haven't said the word defending yet in this press conference. You're 10, 12 minutes in. And Bill Belichick one time said that they're not the defending champions because they're not defending anything. Nobody can take anything away from us. And he said, I know. I, and I forgot. I didn't forget, but I didn't put it together. He was the Red Sox bench manager or bench coach in the time of, of, of parts of the time of the Patriot do, uh, d- um, domination and said, I'm a big fan of Bill Belichick. I totally remember him saying that. This is a conscious decision by me. Okay, I want the guys to celebrate for the rest of their lives what they accomplished. But I want us to understand, other than the experiences that we learned from last year, none of that gives us the benefit for this year. And we're now the hunted. Every team that plays us says, we're going to knock off last year's National League champions. They're going to come in and we've got to be able to be prepared for that. We've got to mentally be ready that our best has to be given every day. It was really a neat thing that I threw out the Bill Belichick quote and he had already thought of it. He was already on it. He had heard that almost 20 years ago, whenever it was said, and it stayed with him. Now, I don't think you consciously tell yourself, if I ever manage a defending champion, I'm not going to call us a defending champion. But you internalize it and therefore agree that's how you lead. And now he is in a position where he can use that phrase and again chooses like Bill not to do it. It was a conscious decision. So he went 12 minutes of a presser, his first presser of the year, without using the phrase defending champion. I really like that. I totally agree with Bill Belichick. Why Don't fight to defend what happened last year. Fight because you don't want to lose now. It's all about the now. Win now. That's it. Win now. If you liked what you felt, if you enjoyed it, well, then do it again and do it harder so you can experience it again. I like Tori Lovello's idea about this. Now, do I really think they can repeat? You know, that that's, come on, that's hard. Now, they've still got a bad manager in L.A. who will choke, but the rest of the National League is good. L.A. is going to win 110 games, and I still think they're going to choke in the, in the playoffs. The question is, who's going to be the team that knocks them off? Let's get to the actual things that Tori said um, to everybody else that, that, uh, that we can get to. Um, I loved this phrase in which he was – really really strong let's do Lavello one and then two in which it was a different question than what I asked but it got to kind of the same point and this is what I was thinking about as he never said the word defending in this answer but he kept saying the prefix re recommit re well instead of me just giving you the quote here's what Tori said that can be dangerous, and this this how I'm looking at it. If if we're gonna just assume that we can walk into this building with those additions and repeat and do what we did last year, we are sorely mistaken. So we've got to we've got to recommit. We've got to um, you know re rededicate. Um, we got to redefine. We can't take anything for granted. So we're gonna do that. 
That was a question about, hey, you were already, you already won the National League. You went to the World Series, and now you picked up a new starting pitcher. Now you picked up a new third baseman. Now you picked up a dedicated, designated hitter. Uh, and, and we know you're still talking to some other pieces for potentially the bullpen. Uh, and, and you've got a year of experience for people like a Brandon Fott. So you have all of these things that the, the, the club has improved. And he's like, great, we have improved. But so is everybody else. We've got to recommit. You know, I, I like that. I like the way you handled that. And then this one was interesting. Nobody said, what did you think about the Super Bowl? Okay. But as he was making a point, he drifted into watching Kyle Shanahan. The loser of the Super Bowl watches or is being watched by the loser of the World Series. I watched Kyle Shanahan walk off the field the other day. He was the Super Bowl losing head coach. Um, and I, I felt his pain. I felt what he was feeling. I've, I've lived that. And I know, I, know the, I know the heartache that he had. And by watching him, it told me a story. It might have told you guys a totally different story, but I think we're all in the same boat and we hurt for him. At the end of it, when I walked out of the room, I'm like, but that's a pretty cool year. Like, he was a Super Bowl runner-up. Like, he, he got there. That's awesome. He should be really proud of himself. So I kind of told myself that the same way. And maybe that was the last thing that I needed before coming here so I could totally turn the page and make sure that I was ready for today. So I had a ton of ice cream. It was delicious. <laughs> I put on 10 great pounds, my winter coat, and I, and I need to work that off through spring training. Just to kind of give you what was going on at the beginning of early on in the presser, he joked about how scary it is that fans found his address because people were so nice and they know that he loves ice cream and they were sending him ice cream. Like he, he would literally have freezers of ice cream that were just dropped off at his house. That would kind of creep me out. I think people know what I like and they're sending it to me. Uh Oh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would love that, but he talked about how funny that was and a little bit scary. So then he's going back and making that reference that he had a bunch of ice cream. Is it interesting? Because I, I look at the world series, there were certain things I would have done differently if I was managing in it, but I don't think that he blatantly mismanaged. Okay. And yet I do look at Kyle Shanahan and say, you're 0-3 as a decision maker in Super Bowls because you are choking in those situations. You're making the wrong decision in those situations. And so I don't feel for Kyle Shanahan. I admit, I'm not trying to be a jerk to the Shanahan family. I don't feel for him. But man, you can tell the guy in the ring, the guy that's actually experienced being a part of getting all the way and then not clearing the last hurdle. How many times, and this doesn't happen a lot, but how many times in your life do you think you know you're ready and you find out you're wrong? It was interesting that he said, I didn't know I needed it, but I needed to see that from him to to get myself ready for this year. He thought he was ready, but watching somebody else go through the pain of losing a championship made him gave him the outside perspective to say the 49ers had a great year I can see it because I'm not the 49ers I can see it because I've been there when you go into a hole and think I'm the worst coach in the world because I I didn't win this game this one game and you forget the big picture and that helped him realize the big picture of okay you lost the world series but look at the magic that was created now try to do it again. I, I love those quotes from Tori Lovello. Uh, let's get to uh, Zach Gallen. Um, 
there's a lot of talk about Kelly and Gallon who pitched more innings than they ever have before. Now, what's about to change? How are you going about it? This is the question about his 2024 strategy because he is a very, very detailed person. We've had conversations just, um, you know, what's the smartest way to get to that? Um, I think just, you know, being smart about certain times in the year maybe doesn't have to be, you know, 210 innings. It can be, hey, maybe let's just peel an inning off here because we want to save, you know, 10 innings for posting, like whatever it is, getting that post is going to be the number. So, yeah, I mean, I feel it's for you, right? Like the one touring. Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, but Tori and I have had, you know, we have such a good relationship to where, you know, I can go to him with something, and, and it's, it's a good, you know, ebb and flow between us. It's like, hey, that's what I feel good about, this, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, the, I know the, the training staff here and the management, everything is, they're going to be, you know, precautionary about just making sure I'm healthy. Um, it's a long season. You know, just throwing two innings doesn't really win you anything. you got to throw a quality two innings. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, I feel like a pretty good offseason in terms of trying to be healthy and get stronger and, and you know, get better. The reason why I liked it is it's it's Zach trying to accept the fact now before he's in the heat of the battle that if you're up by four runs, three runs, four runs at the end of the sixth, why pitch the seventh? Let's turn it over to the bullpen because we're trying to win a championship and you've got to be able to do both. Win today, but let's not tax you along the way. And then he's admitting now I've got to push back less when that happens. Okay, it'll be interesting to see if it really happens. Yet, I got to tell you this, and please understand, when you hear me say this, I am the outlier. If there was a doctor here, he'd call me an idiot. If there was a scout here, he would call me dangerous. People in the industry who do this for a living I would bet that 98% of them disagree with me when I say this. So please know I'm not coming to you as a bona fide expert in anything. I'm coming to you as a guy who likes beer sitting at a bar and you and I are talking. Okay. And experts disagree with me. I think the most overrated stat in baseball is innings pitched and somewhat pitches thrown. The pitch count. I think that is so ridiculously overrated. To me, it's about pitches per inning because when you're tired, that's when your mechanics break down. And when you throw pitches with bad mechanics, they instantaneously start to cause a little bit of damage and a little bit of damage. Okay, and then that builds up. That's a massive difference. Listen, I can technically get an inning pitched by throwing the baseball three times. Okay, three times. So do you really care how many innings I've pitched? That doesn't tell you anything. I think you know this, but in case you don't, every time you record an out, you get one third of an inning pitched. It doesn't matter how many pitches it took you to get it. You allow seven straight runners to get on, and then you strike out a guy in a 14 pitch at bat. You have thrown 35 pitches and got one out. At the same time, pitch count. Oh no, he's got a high. He hit the number 100. His arm might fall off. We've got to save him. Come on. 
Who is Nolan Ryan? Who is Bob Feller? How did these guys survive? Now, granted, is the game 400 times better? Are the players that much better that if you're throwing low cheese in the seventh inning, low not, I mean, I guess I should call it light cheese. If you're not throwing as hard, it's going to be easier to hit. Yes, that is all true. And I'm not talking about, well, then let's just go to 250 pitches. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the freak out of the number 100 is ridiculous. If you are throwing 10 pitches an inning, who cares if you pitch into the 10th and 11th inning? Who cares? You're getting in and out, you're rested, you're okay, your mechanics are the same. I'm not talking 18 innings. I'm just talking the panic comes too early. I think it's much more important to look at pitches per inning because those are the ones that become taxed. Those are the ones that you start to see meltdowns. And I am talking about professionals. With kids, I'm a lot different. Because your arm structure isn't the same, you start breaking down a lot simpler. And I would tell young kids, you get two curveballs a game. Like if I'm the pitching coach, I'm not telling the other team this. I'm saying you get two curveballs a game. You're here to throw fastballs and change-ups because they're so far less taxing on a young person's arm. Curveballs and sliders, no, no. Not until you're 17, 18 years old, and I'm still putting limits on you. I would be kind of anal about that to protect 17, kids. 17, 18? Yeah, once once you're there, your your body, it's still, like a, a male is still growing and developing into their early 20s when it comes to their mechanics and everything else. So... I wouldn't I wouldn't say two curveballs a game to a 17 or 18 year old, but I I would limit it. I, I would be very, very careful. I had a great comment. You know, a lot of people think Dave Stewart is a bad general manager, and guess what? I agree. But he's a good person. <laughs> but he's a very, very high baseball IQ uh pitching coach if somebody ever hired him to worry about pitching and I was having um I, I want to say I was having dinner with Dave Stewart the truth is I was at a charity fundraiser for the Negro Leagues Hall of Fame and Dave Stewart was sitting at my table so it's kind of like one of those hey you get an athlete you get an athlete you get an athlete yeah I got Dave Stewart but I was talking to him about young pitching and he said here's how you raise a pitcher don't let him pitch <laughs> he said if you want your kid to be a pitcher Put him at shortstop. Put him in center field or one of the outfield positions, center right or then left, in that order. Make him throw long toss, long distance, elongate the muscles, strengthen the shoulder with throws like that. And then when they get to be a senior in high school or a junior in high school, let them be the closer. Let them close. Let them pitch an inning so they work on their mechanics a little bit. If they're good enough, don't worry. They will be found, and they will be stretched out and become a starter in college or in the low minors. They'll get their dream, but let the arm develop. I thought that was – I have no idea if he's right, but, man, did that make sense to me. I mean, I grabbed onto that completely. No, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Because, I mean, you don't know how many times you see kids under the age of 15, they're trying to throw curveballs left and right. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was actually, my brother actually messed up his arm trying Did to he? throw 12 sixes at 13 years old. Yeah. So it's like, 
some kids they they don't know how to control themselves on top of that but as soon as you grow up yeah no don't, if you're having a good game pitch so your arm falls off i do agree with you on that yeah yeah keep going but I, but I care about pitches per inning you know that that's to me that's much more of a of a deal i love your story about your brother it is so true i love the little league world series and i cringe when i see these big curveballs yeah, yeah i just absolutely cringe now i know me i listen i never once pitched i i, I played baseball from five years old until I was 19 and then still played intramural. I should go for I played intramural baseball. Um, but I mean, yeah, we actually had intramural baseball. That's awesome. Not a lot of colleges have that. But I loved the game with a passion. Never pitched. Never pitched. And it would, would not have gone well for anybody involved if I would have. But I say that when I'm watching these little leaguers, I know what I would have done. If I had a nasty curveball, if I can get you out, I just want to win. I'll throw my whole career away at 14 years old to get that guy out. Yeah. You know, I was one of those guys. And I, if I was your coach, I'd, I'd say you got you and the catcher learn to call the game, learn who their best player is. Don't throw a curveball the first time through the order. You're not even allowed. And then the rest of the game, you got two. You can throw two in this game. You mentally decide when you're going to do this. And I want them to think through the game, turn it into a mental battle of when you're going to use one. But at the same time, I was like, I'm doing this for you because I don't trust you. I don't trust your shoulder. I don't trust your dad. I don't trust your friends. No, we're protecting that shoulder. Uh, The last one from Zach Gallen is a pretty good question for the first time you guys have to deal with the fact that you were playing at the end of October so you only had like a month off and then it was time to ramp up in December and start getting ready for the season how's the shorter off season affecting your prep so it's, it's a good problem to have. I think to have a shorter offseason. Um, I, was, I was talking actually to Alex Bregman um, not too long ago, and I'm joking like, you know, I'm like, you know how it is, like having a shorter offseason, and, and it's a good problem to have. So, yeah, I mean, we tried to fit in vacations and doing all the recovery stuff and whatnot in a short period of time, but, um, you know, I'm hoping that this is, this is going to be the start of the standard for us. You know, we, we have the feeling in this clubhouse that, you know, we should make the postseason every year. It's a, it's a goal we're striving for um, and you know I, I hope you know guys in here are holding themselves accountable that that's that's our goal is to be there here gives a chance to be to you know actually finish the job every time I hear that name I can't think about I can't think about that name without thinking about the story behind it I guarantee you Izzy this is one of those questions that's totally unfair because you're not going to remember and then as soon as I get it as soon as I tell you you're going to be like oh yeah I've heard that story 17 million times and yet it's hard to remember off the top of your head he said Alex Bregman do you know what Alex Bregman's number is uh I don't here's as soon as I tell you the story you're going to go oh man do you know of a young man by the name of Dansby Swanson have you ever heard of him yes Vanderbilt shortstop and the Arizona Diamondbacks said you are the best player in the draft (laughs) and the Diamondbacks drafted Dansby Swanson number one he only got to the middle of the minors and they said we've already decided after one year we don't want you anymore and they traded him like what are you guys doing and they traded him to the Braves just I think to get out of the Bronson Arroyo contract I can't remember why it was a terrible terrible trade but they traded Dansby Swanson but the point was they drafted him number one The Houston Astros then drafted Alex Bregman at number two. He wears number two for only one reason, to remind the Diamondbacks he was not the number one pick. 
and to remind himself he was not the number one pick. So it's basically trash talk to the Diamondbacks, motivation for him, and a little reminder to Dansby Swanson, hey, you are good. But I'm I'm Alex Bregman. And every time I hear the name Alex Bregman, I think of that. Because I admit, I don't know where it is anymore. But for like 10 years, I kept a rejection letter from a Montana baseball team. I wanted to be this Billings. I think it was Billings. It might have been somewhere else. A Montana minor league baseball team was having an open casting call for a play-by-play guy. And I got to like like second and a half interview there was a small interview at the beginning that didn't really count and then two interviews and they decided to go with some other guy and i got this letter and i was so angry wanted to prove them wrong so i kept this like i actually wanted to go full tom brady and and uh and and frame it and put it up in my room so i could see that at night and you know i got married young which is a good thing for some people it was a good thing for me because then my wife is like will you get over this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, get over this but for those of you who don't know the story tom brady was drafted number 199 199 he can still to this day with anger name every quarterback that was drafted in front of him and tom i love that story but guess what you weren't that good in michigan <laughs> okay you weren't that good and you were kind of fat so deal with it draymond green can do the same thing as well he can name off everybody that was drafted above him he was yeah. a second round pick yeah man i used to be a huge draymond green fan and then once he went a little crazy, I was just worried about him, but I was still a fan. Now I can't stand the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot stand Draymond Green. I, I just thought I just think he's such a fake tough guy. I just it just drives me crazy. As long as there's people to hold him back, or as long as it's on a basketball court, all right, here we go. He's tough. He's tough. Now it's not like, like Charles Barkley, he was he was like actually tough. You know, if you want to be a fan of his in the bar, blah, 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 man, he's supposedly the nicest human being in the world. I've only met him once, but he, man, he was so jovial and such a good guy to talk to. But then if you were talking smack to him, he's not going to listen. He's not only not going to listen to it, you'll pay for it. And he doesn't care because you brought it on yourself. It's kind of one of those weird lessons in life. Just because... Just because violence is not the answer and you shouldn't get into a fight doesn't mean there aren't people that deserve to get punched in the face, okay? I always remember the guy Byron Hout. There's no way you remember the name Byron Hout. But the reason why I remember the name Byron Hout, he was the Boise State player that LeGarrette Blunt punched in the face, the Oregon running back. You remember that? And everybody talks about how awful LeGarrette Blunt was. And everybody talks about how ridiculous it was for him to punch Byron Hout. You're right. You're right. It was awful that LeGarrette Blunt did that. He deserved everything that was thrown at him negatively for it. But there's one thing nobody wanted to talk about. Byron Hout still deserved it. <laughs> okay? Just because it shouldn't have happened doesn't mean that if you watch the tape, LeGarrette Blunt has been yelled at by fans all game long. He's been yelled at by people all day, game long. It's now the game is over. It's supposed to be people shaking hands. And Byron Hout comes running over, takes his helmet off, gets down in like a little bit of a crouch and starts yelling at LeGarrette Blunt right there. Boom! <laughs> okay, guess what? The guy deserved it. Should you have done it? No. Does it show you can't control your emotions? Does it show that you're immature? Does it show you that losing is less important than your own personal pride and that's selfish? Absolutely. But why doesn't it say anything about Byron Howe? What kind of jerk goes over the game's over, dude? 
You and you didn't do nearly as much. Byron How you did not do as much for Boise State as like Garrett Blunt had done for Oregon that day. He was closer to winning than you were. And then you do your little dance. Yeah. Yeah, mess around and find out. Exactly. But Izzy, I got to laugh because that was said by a guy that's 160 pounds. I mean, wait, I mean, <laughs> for, I mean, you said that like you've used that line before. Like, you sounded really tough. Look, I mean, look, I don't... No, no comment, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think I know you well enough to know that that's one of those things that it was either I'm going to brag about a fight I was in and my parents are now going to find out about it or somebody I don't want to know is going to find out about it or I don't want to admit that I did I did get my world rocked one time and I don't want to talk about that either. Oh, look, I can look. I can be straight up. I'm 2-1-1. Yeah, I'm 2-1-1 okay. in a lifetime. Two all right, one. all right, all right. I can admit a loss. <laughs> that's well done. Were they, uh, were they both... Uh, in the heat of the uh, of basketball, uh, one was in the heat of basketball. An- another one that, that I was stupid. <laughs> I was just straight up stupid. I can admit I was, I was stupid. Now, is that the one you lost, or is that the yeah, one? Is- the one I lost. Oh, okay, I was, I was okay. Stupid. There you go. Well done. Well done. Uh, you know what? I think we need more of this. Life of Izzy. That, that sounds like a good show. Like I want Izzy on sports for an hour every day, and now I just want a new show of Life of Izzy. And, and I just want to hear stories about your life. I think it would be fantastic. And uh, sadly, I think we'd all learn from it, too. Yeah. <laughs> we got about, eh, about 15 minutes before Steve McCollum comes over and starts talking. Really 20 minutes but before Steve McCollum uh, comes over to start talking to us. So let's let's do some Suns uh, in the meantime. Suns coming up next. A winner last night over Detroit. Why does that matter when you beat one of the worst teams in basketball? I'll explain. And how about a little beat down from the coach this is kind of strange how monty williams blasts the suns organization on his return home did the suns deserve it that's next this is doug franz unplugged presented by whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass on wtsmtv.com rosati sports pub in chandler it's on ray and mcqueen sounds like a sports bar What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Talk shows would have said this to Izzy last night, probably said it to Izzy at 5 this morning, 5.30 this morning, 5.55, or in any of the revenue-generating portions of the program. Since I am not, I didn't do any of that. So, Izzy, just to let you know, let's go Vogel 2, and then we'll go Vogel 1, KD 1, KD 2, and then we'll go straight down the page. And if you didn't get any of that, don't worry about it, because I'll I'll still spell it out. But we're going to start with Vogel 2 first. And I I didn't even say anything about this ahead of time. If you didn't hear what happened, this is crazy. Isaiah Stewart is a guy that, fair or not, got the title as a hothead for mouthing off and going crazy on LeBron James one time. Well, I don't know what was going on with Drew Eubanks. Drew was asked after the game whether or not there's any bad blood with him and Isaiah Stewart. And he said, just basketball stuff. 
he made it sound like there's a little bit of an angry basketball rivalry between the two of them. Man, that happens all the time, all the time, where you and another guy kind of are a little squirrely with each other. Usually it's guys kind of at the same level. Dr. J and Larry Bird had it, and man, they were, they, they respected each other like nobody's business, and when they were on the court, they hated each other, okay? There's people at that level. But it also happens with bench guys. Two bench guys, because what, what happens? They're in at about the same time every time. And maybe both of you work really hard. Maybe one of you's a punk and the other one isn't, and he brings the punk out of you. Maybe it's a case where both of you actually have a mutual respect, but you hate each other when you play. Who knows why? It just develops. So to Drew, that's all it was. Now, you can decide whose side you want to take on this, but supposedly they, Drew was arriving early. Isaiah Stewart was there, and they were coming from the loading area. There's an area underneath the stadium where, if, for those of you that have ever been to the arena, you know about the parking garage. Well, the bottom floor of the parking garage has a walkway that's basically right into the arena. And that's where the other team's bus shows up. That's where the players park, things like that. So therefore, they supposedly met down there and started mouthing off. And we're kind of chest to chest a little bit, really mouthing off. And boom, Isaiah Stewart just hit him. Now, the term sucker punch to me, I don't think it's being sucker punched. If you punch first, there's a difference. If you're standing nose to nose to a guy or you're barking at somebody and he punches, it doesn't matter that you didn't expect it. You might have thought this is just going to be a verbal confrontation. The other guy makes it physical. That's not getting sucker punched. To me, sucker, and maybe he did get sucker punched. Maybe he was walking away. Maybe if you're walking away and you get punched, that to me is a sucker punch. Or if it's a case where if I'm fighting you and some other guy comes over and hits me, all right, that's a sucker punch. You know, stuff like that. But if you're right, and they said both guys are kind of face-to-face, they're, they're with each other. So just because one guy decides to throw, that's not a sucker punch to me. However, I do believe Isaiah Stewart punched first. I think that's what happened. Police were already called to the confrontation, arena, arena security, things like that. And there's, there's cops working the game. And the NBA, you might not know this, like when Jeff Weir Production and I used to get to Rattlers games early at, at Footprint Center, they used to play there. Now the Rattlers have moved to Glendale to Desert Diamond Arena. But what would happen is we had to be screened just to get into the arena. It would be like two in the afternoon. And it was, don't come walking into the arena. Go search out security personnel before you're allowed in. Because the NBA has rules. Any NBA arena, no one that's unauthorized. And everybody that isn't a team employee, you've got to go through security. All of them do. So, having said that, um, I guarantee you that there's security already down there. They rush in. Then the punch happens. There's security cameras everywhere. So after or during the game, the Suns issue a statement calling it an unprovoked punch from Stewart and saying they totally support Drew Eubanks and his version of events and they will stand by Drew all the way and they're not going to have any other comment. That really fired up Monty Williams. That really fired up Monty Williams to say his guy did something unprovoked. 
and he called out the Suns for it in his press conference. He called the statement. Let me. I want to make sure that I, I get it right. Uh, what he said. He called the statement irresponsible. So think about that. Monty Williams has been a part of this organization for a long time, and in his first game back, he ba- granted it's just one statement, but he calls it irresponsible for them to do that. Well, guess whose side the police took? <laughs> Much later in the evening, the police issued an arrest warrant for Isaiah Stewart. He accepted the arrest. He was cited. And now he's released to come back for a court date later or for a plea agreement, whatever happens. But Isaiah Stewart got arrested for the punch. And I hope this is this might sound really stupid. Legally, it's probably pretty stupid. If Isaiah Stewart gets arrested for a punch on the court, on the court, my opinion is that better have been the biggest sucker punch, horrible attack of all time, and Drew Eubanks better have had to go to the hospital. It's the game. It's people competing. The game. I would have freaked out if it's just a normal punch and somebody gets arrested on a court. Yet... I totally support it back there. I do. You guys, I realize you're civilians everywhere. It's kind of a dumb legal opinion. Wait, I step across a, 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 a sideline. I step across a baseline. Suddenly I'm not an American citizen and I can be punched. Yes, <laughs> that's how I feel. This is the game. But back there, I don't care that you're both athletes. I don't care. No, you don't just punch a dude because you're in an argument. And so I totally support the arrest of him. And I got to tell you, I don't care if you're butthurt a little bit there, uh, Monty. It's wrong. It's wrong. So don't say you don't like their statement. Their statement's irresponsible. It's what they think. I love the Sun statement. Somebody's sticking up for it, saying this isn't, this isn't the way it is. It was unprovoked. I like a statement where an organization shows, shows some onions. So after the game, Frank Vogel is talking about this situation and he was asked about Drew Eubanks and I like the fact that he said I'm referring to the statement and I don't have anything else to add meaning I support the word unprovoked yeah, when I got here you know I got here shortly around when it happened and um, you know there's no place for anything like that in our game I mean, there's no place for it um, but I don't we have we released the statement as a team I don't have anything really more to add to that all right, now if you could, Izzy, give me KD1. And I'm going to go with KD1, and the reason why is I, I thought this was kind of funny. If you didn't see the game, Booker got ejected five minutes in. So KD is asked about winning the game. He's asked about coming through last game before the All-Star break. Weak team, so it's easy to take off. Then you have all. Then you have the Drew Eubanks. Now Booger gets ejected. And talk about the team coming through with the win. And, and he immediately went to uh, – oh, uh, uh, 360, please, is he? He immediately went to duh, duh, duh. I mean, he was like, like this was all crazy all day. Yeah, keep the game first. I mean, it's a lot of noise around our game. There's a lot of that comes with being an NBA player. You keep the main thing the main thing. Um, and all of that stuff will fade away. It's unfortunate uh, what happened before the game. It's uh, supposed to be a brotherhood. Uh, but also understand dudes get into stuff and stuff may happen, but you know, we try to avoid that in this league. But happens and hopefully we can move on from it. And um uh, we all support Drew. I got Drew's back, and 
you know, he'll move past it. If you really think of a statement you want a player to make, how do you get better than what KD said about that? I, I thought that was that was perfect. Listen, we all support Drew no matter what. So we got Drew's back. At the same time, what are you doing? It's supposed to be a brotherhood. Yet dudes get into stuff. <laughs> like that's a kind of a good that's a so much better of a phrase than boys will be boys. You know, that, how cheesy is boys will be boys? How much better is dudes get into stuff? I, I kind of, I like K, I like KD as the philosopher of the world right now, a little better than uh, old statements. Let's get into Booker now and, and the issues. So Izzy will go Vogel one, KD two, and Vogel four. This to me, I, the arrogance of an officiating crew that goes into the how dare you. I got to tell you how wrong I was last night. I, I don't want to admit that I was dead wrong, but when I'm sitting on the couch watching the game, I'm assuming Booker had to have said some magic words, okay? He gets a T for arguing and complaining on the court. Okay, fine, crap happens. But then during the timeout and through the timeout, he's still complaining. And then when I watch the body language of the referee, he gives him the second tee, throws out the ejection finger, and you could tell he loved it. I mean, that was a ref that wanted to do this. I'm excited to eject Devin Booker. And I didn't want to call the ref any names but because I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I wanted to think, you know what? Booker had to be so upset. He used some of the magic phrases. Booker deserved it. I wanted it to, I wanted, I, I assumed that. I was about as dead wrong as you could be. Here's Frank Vogel on what he saw from the bench. Yeah, he just said he, you know, they asked him to stop whatever his complaint was and he didn't stop. So they teed him up and then, he said something else to the other official and he ran him out. It's just freaking ridiculous. I mean, total BS, um, you know, to take a star player out of the game. I've seen see worse worse than what he did on a nightly basis. <laughs> like, like not I've seen it before. I see it every night. So unprecedented. Those are good, good officials um, that were on the game tonight. But, you know, that was certainly uncalled for and BS. To just harness how horrible of an officiating decision that is. Okay. God bless the people that have earned their money in life and you're sitting in the black seats and you're, you're spending, you know, I, I don't know how much those seats cost $3,000 a game, whatever it is. I don't have any idea. God bless you. I'm not jealous of you. You've earned it. None of my business. I'm thinking about my dad. I'm thinking about the guy in the 200 level, blue collar, goes to work every day. My dad never once missed a day of work that wasn't scheduled. Of course, he had vacations and then called in sick because he really was sick, but never made up crap to miss work. That guy saves his money, takes his kids to a game. He can afford we, – we, I mean, we went to a bunch of Reds games for a blue-collar family. I think I went to about 10 a year. I was At the time, I didn't know how blessed I was. I was unbelievably blessed to be going to these games. It was great. But can you imagine you build up this moment? This is the game you can afford. It's the Pistons, so tickets aren't going to be that much. You take your kid to a game. And Booker gets ejected in five minutes because some arrogant 
pipsqueak jerk wants attention. I'm sorry. I don't normally get that personal. And maybe this is a this guy, the referee, is a good person and had a bad day. I had a bad day Monday and I was a jerk. I I, I want to be understanding, but call it like it is. In that moment, you were the biggest arrogant jerk. I hope you don't live your life like that. I want to be fair to you as a person. But for you to be so small as a person to say, I'm offended. I'm offended that you wouldn't stop complaining. It's freaking Devin Booker. People are the people that are paying your salary came to watch Devin Booker. Now, the whole time I was giving this guy the benefit of the doubt, I wanted to assume Booker used some of the magic words and deserved it. A pool reporter by the name of Kellen Olson. And what a pool reporter is, is you're not allowed to interview the referees as a whole. Okay. Referees never have to stand up in front of the press. They don't have to. They just get to hide. But if there's something big that happens, then they'll assign one reporter to go in and ask nice questions to the official. And Kellen Olson asked a very good question. Was it something he said or was it the continuance of saying things? And the referee said it was the continuance. That means Devin Booker never used one of the magic words. If he never used some of the magic words, a good official that understands their place in the game and doesn't try to elevate themselves above the game would have gone up to Devin Booker and said, Book, you've already got one T. We've asked you to stop a couple times. I can't say it any more plain. You've hit the wall. We're done. We're done hearing it. We're under an edict that we got to run guys that are doing this. If you, if you yap anymore... I'm telling you, the line in the sand's been drawn. If Booker does that, if Booker hears that and keeps going, run him. Run him. Absolutely. So I can understand those of you that disagree with me because you're saying, Doug, that's what the first technical is. As soon as you get one technical, Booker knew the rule. The rule is get your second technical, you're ejected. Don't get a second technical. Don't do it. Okay. I accept your opinion if there's any consistency in officiating. Officials take so much heat. They allow so much crap from other people. Draymond Green, for an example, gets away with murder with his complaining. Okay? You allow so many other players to get away with crap now, today. February 14th is the day we decide no more. And we're running Booker for it. Get real. That's you on a high horse. Terrible officiating. I'm totally with Frank Vogel on that. KD, what did you think of Booker's technical? Yeah, I did. I did. Because he was talking to me. <laughs> and uh, and I guess he said something that ticked the ref off. But they were on edge before the game anyway because of the situation. They didn't want things to escalate. They they thought it might escalate with our team and theirs. But that's not even the type of team we are. We just try to go out there and talk with our game. And uh, we've seen it early on. They were trying to just, you know, let us know that they're going to control the game and I can understand it. I can see it from their perspective, but I just think that was too quick of a tech, both of them. Boys, Katie. Okay, if there's any, Katie's a smarter guy than I am. Let's just put that out there first. I love what he said, but think about it. Referees should be on edge between Pistons and Suns, not between them and the players, and that's what they were doing there. That was between Booker and the refs. That was not had nothing to do with Isaiah Stewart punching people. Uh, Frank Vogel, what did you think about how the team played without Booker? Because you still dominated the game with no Booker or Beal. 
wonderfully. I mean, I thought felt like it galvanized us. You know, um, you never know how games like this are going to go. Last game before the break, both teams played last night. Um, you know, getting a little bit of adversity two nights in a row. We lost Brad five minutes in the game. We lost Book five minutes in the game tonight. Um, but having both of those guys out, you know, really, uh, you know, makes us shorthanded at the guard position. So, you know, I want to credit Saban Lee for coming in and playing a terrific game. You know, really helped uh, not only stabilize us, but sparked us, you know, uh, during that stretch. And our guys handled adversity well and uh, turned it into a positive, you know, built up a big lead. So, Izzy, if you could do me a favor, just save the other three pieces of sound. Vogel 3, KD 3, and Hurley 1. Let's get to that tomorrow because I still think they're important. So I want to keep them, but I, I, I don't need to get to them now. Jumping on what Frank Vogel said right there, or no, one last point about the Suns that I, th- I just think is hilarious. How many times in the last two years did Monty Williams complain about the free throw shooting disparity? really upset as the coach of the Suns, always saying, what do we have to do to get calls? What do we have to do to get calls? Well, here's something that's kind of funny. In his game that he comes back to Phoenix, the Pistons went 10 of 16 from the free throw line. The Suns went 30 of 35. (laughs) The Suns shot over double the amount of free throw attempts the Pistons had. Maybe it's not the name on the front of the jersey. Maybe it's the style of coaching. I mean, you do kind of have to look at yourself a little bit, Monty, and say, wait, I've been complaining about this for years, and now the Suns just crushed me getting to the free throw line. Suns went 30 of 35. Like, if you watch the game, you're kind of wondering, they're not playing that great. How are they dominating this game so well? Well, they uh, exa- they two things. Suns attack the rim. And two, the Pistons are terrible. They're just really bad defensively. Uh, The main event's coming up from 8 to 10. It's every weekday morning here on WTSMTV.com. Steve McCollum is standing by. Steve, do you – how do you think the Suns handled life without Booker, the referees, when admittedly, just like KD said, the referees probably had a conversation with the league after the Isaiah Stewart thing. So they did come in. I bet a little bit fired up. Yeah, and then the refs lied about it. There's no doubt about it. They were they the refs made a conscious decision that they're going to call this game tight because of the pregame, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in the pool report, the ref just flat out lied about it. And it's uh, this is the problem. Okay, the ref was stupid. The ref messed up. The ref's soft. The ref's a big giant baby. He's tired of his wife yelling at him all the time, so he took it out on Booker last night. And uh, and then to go to the pool report and be like, oh, oh no, it had nothing to do with the pregame. It's just that's where it bothers me. Just shut up. Quit lying all the time. Why do you lie all the time? It's a great point because think of the alternative. <laughs> if he's totally being honest and it really didn't have anything to do with that, well, then you're a, a worse official than we thought. That's the problem. I, I, I leave, we'll at yes. least give you the benefit of the doubt. But, boy, you acted like a jerk. You screwed up. Yeah. Okay, but we get it. We've all been a jerk at some point. We've all screwed up. We'll be a lot more understanding if you say yes. We had to call it tight. We were everybody had to make sure we stand by how tight we called the game. Yes. Then we, we I'll give you a little room, but when you uh, say that yeah. wasn't the point, well then that's even worse why you ejected. Yeah, it. it's it's ridiculous. But I'll even go a step farther. Okay. Uh, you know when he ejected him looked so bad because Booker wasn't even looking at him, wasn't even talking to him, yeah. he was talking to KD. Yeah. So it looks bad in that instance. Wait until he gives you the reason to do it. But I'll even uh, go a little bit farther with uh, put my conspiracy hat on here. Okay, uh, you eject Booker with five minutes and thirty-two seconds to go in the game to send the message because it's the Pistons, and who cares? Uh, the Pistons <laughs> suck. 
Yeah. They are bad. And what's with Monty being upset about the Suns putting that? That he uh, called it irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. You know what's irresponsible? Your player hitting a guy in the in the warm up room when he's not even going to play tonight. That's what's irresponsible, Monty. The joke. Yeah. Monty, the joke. Why was he even here for five, six years? He's a horrible. <laughs> he's just a horrible person. Oh, yeah. Get out of here with that garbage. Uh, I, I admit, I disagree <laughs> on a horrible person, but he, he's, a, he, he's a horrible. He's a horrible person on that stuff. Okay. Like, oh my god, don't but you you're dare right. criticize the Suns for putting that story out when your guy viciously attacked a guy yeah. who's not even playing that night. On top of it, get out of here with your condemnation <sighs> of. Oh my god, the Suns. Oh, Shut up. Go back to Detroit. Collect your eight millions and be a loser over there. I wonder. In now of, listen. In terms of playing. I, I wonder <laughs> if, if let's say, let's say the worst TV station in the worst city in America. Like, let's say, I, listen, as an Ohioan, I can say this. I think there's a battle every year between Youngstown and Toledo for the worst city in America title. Uh, or Amarillo, Texas. I can't stand I Amarillo. There's, there's a lot of bad okay. I mean, there's Tucson, you know. <laughs> Tucson. So if one of those cities <laughs> offers me $8 million a year to be a host or to do something. You're gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm, so I'm not I, knocking it for that. I totally get it from a standpoint of why he went to Detroit. But he said specifically, you know, I, I was planning on taking a year off. I wonder if he is $8 million a year enough. I wonder if he wonders now, yes. should I have just taken that year off? Yes. And Because there's two things here. Number one, you were already a millionaire. Yeah. And don't tell me how bad the Pistons players are. Don't forget, you live in Detroit. Like I'll I'll take a job uh, in uh, in in Miami some, for the word if Miami's terrible. You get outside of Detroit, it's actually pretty nice. It's just Detroit itself is just garbage. Even though outside. you're right, as an Ohioan who can't stand the weather, and granted, I've turned into a wuss. Yeah, there's no way eight million. No, eight million. Yes, but if, if you put it into, into into my dollars, like what would be I, huge money uh, for us normal people? Yeah, I'm not living in Detroit. I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but it's not like the Pistons were a good team last year with a lot of talent, and you were like, oh, they're on the cusp. All they need is Amani to show up, and they'll be really <laughs> yes, good again. Yes, that's true. That's true. They've been horrible. <laughs> They've been absolutely dog crap. Now, they're worse this year with Monty than they were before, which tells you something. Yeah, uh, but he ran not, off some guys. Yeah, but it's not like and Kid Cunningham doesn't want to be there. He missed all of last year. I, it's almost like he's wishing he missed this year, too, right? Yes, yes. And, and so you – it's not so he took the money that's the bottom line he just looked at that money yep. and said i can't rightfully so but then don't come in here with your righteous indignation going oh the son's irresponsible putting that out no it's irresponsible so that you, you let the biggest jerk on the planet with a history of doing this yes. stuff uh my favorite part was as soon as i saw the name i was like yep that's the dude that went after lebron and like you know and it's just like get out of here man so i don't know what's going on in the nba these days first of all everybody's mad at the suns fantastic <laughs> am i right <laughs> you the are fan, right. the fans have been uh, the suns have been so like clean cut and just like oh, do, do. and now they're just like all right we'll fight you in the we'll fight you in the loading dock three hours before the game all right cool uh and then uh draymond's losing his mind more evidence of that today and then uh and now and now uh you know pistons just willy-nilly oh, i'm not playing tonight i'm just gonna start a fight what so, you know speaking speaking of fighting and a lot of people don't know this it, it, it 
it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. If you work in radio or you work in television, you're doing your job. You're not watching the television or listening to the radio while you're working. You're doing your job. So you don't yeah. think about that. Everybody thinks everyone's walking around listening to everything that happens. Yes. So you probably didn't hear this today, but we learned the most amazing stat in the history of Doug Franz Unplugged. I thought the most amazing stat ever was the fact that 1,815 hits at home games for Stan Musial, 1,815 hits for road games. Yes. I thought that was the number one stat of all time. It is not. Mm. Izzy went 2-1 and one in fighting in his life. Hmm. Would you? Well, uh, would you have? The, would the, you have put? Would you have put good money on the fact that he's two and one? Uh, we need more details on that. Uh, was the one a girl uh, for one? Uh, and, and were the two? How old were they? And how old was he? I mean, we got to get some clarification here. Doug. It might not be as exciting as you think it is. I'm just proud of him. I, I, I looked at Izzy, and let's face it, I I assumed that there's not a lot of torque, you know, in in, in a punch from Izzy. So I'm kind of I'm kind of proud. Izzy, are you like a scrapper? Yeah. Was it more of a wrestling move, get the guy on the ground, or was it no? You're just a straight up brawler if you have to be. Oh no, I'm a crier, bro. I'm a crier. I cry first and swing. No, that, that's, that's pretty much how I win. Yeah, he, he pulls a uh, Simmons, man. He's like just face to face, and then he like looks away, and then comes back with the with the sucker punch. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Well done, well done. <laughs> If you're wondering, Brian Clawson and Richie Moody are the only people that I've ever been in a fight with. And teachers broke it up before anything really happened. So I don't even know. I think I think I'd be terrible. I think I'd be the guy that would keep coming back for more and I'd keep losing. <laughs> so I wouldn't like totally wuss out, but it would be pretty stupid. Like, hey, dude, stay down. Stay like there'd be like a mercy rule at some point. Dude, stay down. Stay down. You're just this isn't a good this isn't a good move for you. I think I'm that guy. Uh, versus Vegas, boy. Boy. Do you remember when I was fire? All of January, the beginning of February for a week and a half. You could call me fire. Well, yesterday somebody had the extinguisher. I got absolutely annihilated yesterday. Here's what I got for you. Um... I told you Winnipeg would be able to handle San Jose pretty easy. Pretty easy. Now, though, nobody was on a back-to-back, but I liked it. Izzy, I don't know if you have the end of that game ready, because I, I totally forgot to remind you about it. But, oh my gosh. Winnipeg's up one to nothing. It felt like the whole game. We, I say we because I have, you know, I'm, I'm a Jets fan for the day. There's an empty net on the other side. And then at 30 seconds left in the game, Jets get the puck, fire it down the ice, miss the net, icing, no big deal. Then San Jose wins the faceoff. They've got the puck, pass it around, take a shot, it doesn't work. And then the Jets get the puck back, and they're going right down the ice. They get near the red line, and instead of shooting it into an open net, they try one more pass to let somebody else score. And that gives San Jose the time to get back. I would have had it. What are we doing? Shoot the puck. So I lose that game. I told you Philadelphia would easily be able to handle Miami because Miami had to fly from Milwaukee on the back end of a back-to-back. I loved that game. I loved that game. I had Philadelphia minus three. Philadelphia didn't cover because they didn't win. Miami won 109-104. 
I told you I liked the Knicks plus the two and a half. I didn't really think the Knicks would win, but Orlando's on the back end of a back-to-back. I'll go with the Knicks plus two and a half. It was close. Uh, Orlando won by 18. So I only needed the spread to be not plus two and a half, plus 19 in order to get that win. And then to rub it in even more, I had Denver minus six. Sacramento's on the back end of a back-to-back coming from Phoenix. No way are they going to win. Now, I might be wrong and Denver doesn't cover, but no way is Sacramento winning the game. Uh, Sacramento wins 102-98 in Denver. I go 0-4. My first 0-4 in about a month. I embarrassed the family yesterday. We bounce back today. Number one, there's a game that I would have liked. I was planning ahead. I was going to like this game a lot. Memphis is on the back end of a back-to-back. They take on Milwaukee tonight. I was going to be all over that game. And uh, the juice is horrible on Milwaukee. Or no, it's Milwaukee minus 11 and a half with bad juice. I got to get one or the other. Good juice and a big spread or low spread bad juice. I'm not taking both at the same time. So I scratched that game out, so I'm not on that. Then I looked at Florida-Buffalo. I thought I was going to love that game um, because Buffalo or Florida's on the back end of a back-to-back. I thought Buffalo, give me Buffalo plus one and a half. I'm going to like it. It's minus 195 juice. That means you've got to bet $195 to just win 100 now, for a guy like me, it doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm betting $5 no matter what. I don't care what the juice is. I'm betting $5. But think about it like this. I've got to bet $5 to win one beer if I'm right. No, that's not worth it. I'm betting $5. I want I want to win three beers, something like that. I want better odds. I'm not going to bet $5 just to win one beer. Now, you might say, Doug, what do you mean? Five bucks a beer? That's not bad. But at Costco, it's a buck a piece. Okay. So that, that's that's a thinking man's bet right there. Think cheap beer when you bet. Now, I, I don't drink cheap beer, but I buy beer cheaply. Kind of a smart move on my part. So therefore, the games that I think match up juice and back-to-backs. Chicago, let's go Izzy. I got the Blackhawks tonight plus the one and a half against the Penguins. That's only minus 142 juice. Now, the Blackhawks are terrible. Keep that in mind. But Pittsburgh's on the back end of a back-to-back. I like that. They were at home in Pittsburgh, and then they flew to Chicago. Not a terrible flight, but I get you on the back end of a back-to-back, and I get um, not terrible juice, and I get a goal and a half. Let's go Blackhawks. So I'm going to take the Blackhawks plus the one and a half. And another game that I'm actually doubling down on. I'm going to hold $10. I'm doubling my units because San Jose, you guys stink. And you made me mad yesterday. Now, a good better never makes an angry bet. But San Jose not losing big enough to Winnipeg last night that hurt. Well, now it's coming. Now it's coming. They're in Calgary on the back end of a back-to-back. San Jose started the year terrible. Now they just stink. They're not terrible anymore, but they just stink. This one is going to happen. Calgary, minus one and a half. If you bet them on the puck line, the juice is minus 135. Not terrible. Here we go. Calgary is winning this game four to one, and it's going to be easy. It's going to be an easy win. We got nothing to worry about. I'm doubling down, and if San Jose actually wins, I'm selling my car, I think. (laughs) 
I'm not really going to do that. It's still just 10 bucks, but come on now. No way is San Jose winning, uh, or betting-wise, winning both ends of a back-to-back. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Free plug for a place called Trophy. It is a sports bar uh, in in Southeast Phoenix. It's in the Chandler area. And I got a buddy that I'm taking there today for an appointment, meeting him. So if anybody wants to meet me for a beer right around 545, 6 o'clock, and you're on the, in Southeast Valley, feel free to look up where Trophy is and meet me over there. I'll be there today in a meeting from 5 to 545, but then available to talk to you and, and get a beer with you if you want afterwards. Um, I also have, uh, I, I might be at Civlik for lunch, so I'm excited about that. Big appointment today to uh, to talk to a couple people. So I'm jacked up for everything I've got going on today. Thanks, Unplugged Army, for being a part of everything to be able to help grow Doug Franz Unplugged. Thanks to Burrito Express, Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical, and uh, Bell's Nashville Kitchen, and of course, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com. Unplugged at Whirlwind.com. Click on the events page and sign up for February 23rd. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.